This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Good morning, I'm Simone Cesiaris. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Tuesday the 15th of June. In your Squiz today, hashtag home to Billow. Winning friends at the G7. The French Open delivers. And celebrating a Disney classic. This is your Squiz today. Starting with the Murugappan family, Claire, they're the Tamils from Sri Lanka who have been held in detention on Christmas Island since August 2019. They recently returned to the spotlight after the couple's youngest daughter, Thanika, was airlifted to hospital in Perth for treatment for pneumonia and a blood infection. She's with her mum, Priya, but her sister and dad are still on Christmas Island. And that sparked renewed criticism from both MPs and activists about the family's ongoing detention. Now, Claire, there are reports they could be released. But before we get into that, let's talk through why they're in detention in the first place. Nadez and Priya are the adults. They're the couple who arrived in Australia by boat separately in 2012 and 13. They say they fled Sri Lanka because of the ongoing persecution that Tamils received after they lost a very long civil war in 2009. Nadez said that he was forced to join the Tamil Tigers in 2001. They were considered to be unlawful maritime arrivals. They were granted a temporary bridging visa while their refugee claims were assessed. During that time, they settled in the central Queensland town of Biloela. They married and they had two daughters there. Uh, but their refugee claim was rejected and their visas ran out in early 2018 and they were put in detention in Melbourne. There was a lot of legal wrangling that ensued and the High Court dismissed an application to review their case in the middle of 2019 and they were set to be deported but a new legal angle opened up uh, around Thanika's right to stay in Australia and since then they've been on Christmas Island in detention. It has cost taxpayers $6.7 million and the case is still winding its way through the system but as you say a lot of scrutiny in the last week or so and potentially there's news that they will be allowed to stay in Australia. Yeah, so that could all change for them soon, as you say, Claire. But what's in store for the family next? Look, we'll wait and see. Alex Hawke is the immigration minister. Reports that were out late yesterday said that he's undertaking an independent review of their case and he might use his ministerial intervention powers that could see them granted a visa and be able to stay here in Australia. That's something that could happen as soon as today, but reports say uh, it could be this week. The family has had support from locals to return to Biloela. That's that rural town in Queensland where they were living before they were put in detention. Many locals have described bringing the family home as unfinished business they cannot let go of. To the G7 now, Claire, that summit we spoke about a fair bit on the podcast last week. That's the meeting of the seven big ones, the US, UK, France, Germany, Canada, Italy and Japan. And as we've said, Scott Morrison was also over there too. The key takeaway was about being a better friend to the developing world over China. 
What the G7 says is that they will set up a fund that's linked to climate change programs and through that they hope to have those sorts of deeper relationships with the developing world. Also, they're looking at sending a billion coronavirus vaccines to poorer countries in a bid to vaccinate the world by the end of 2022. Uh, There was a lot of focus on China at that G7 meeting and how to respond to its push into the world. China's responded overnight saying that it will defend its national national sovereignty, its security and its development interests. Next on the agenda for Morrison is that free trade deal with the UK. Reports this morning say Morrison and UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson are on track to sign an in-principle agreement later today, so keep an eye out for that. Something else we've talked about a bit of late, Claire, is the situation in Israel. The latest is that Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's 12-year leadership has come to an end. A quick recap, opponents of Netanyahu had reached a deal earlier in June to form a new government, but they were waiting for a vote in Parliament to formally wrap things up. And that's happened on Sunday. Uh, It got through by the narrowest of margins, 60 votes to 59. It sees Naftali Bennett, the new Prime Minister of Israel. It ends a two-year political stalemate after four elections didn't really come to a clear result. Bennett and his coalition partner, Yair Lapid, have formed a, a grouping from politics that covers the whole political rainbow. Uh, it's a very diverse group. It includes an Arab party for the first time they come into power. And what they will do is have a power sharing arrangement where Bennett is the prime minister for the first two years and Lapid for the second two years of that term. Uh, there's a lot of question marks about what that government will be, but Bennett is is a hardliner when it comes to things like uh, being against those in charge of Gaza, but he's seen to be more economically and socially liberal. As for Netanyahu, he remains head of the Likud party and will lead the opposition, promising that he'll be back. To sport now, Claire and Sydney Roosters champion Boyd Cordner has quit rugby league over concussion concerns. Yeah, not just from the Sydney Roosters. He was also the Australian rugby league captain. He captained New South Wales as well. He really was a player at the top of the game. He said that he'd sustained a head knock during the 2020 State of Origin series and he'd been off the field since then. He was back in full training and he said he was very close to resuming his playing career, but he just just couldn't get out of his head a feeling about what would happen if he had another head knock. That's something pretty serious for a 29-year-old to Mm, call mm. time on his playing career. He's done that. The playing group and the club really did congratulate him, though, for his contribution. Yeah, a tough decision to make, no doubt. Head knocks and concussions have been really topical of late, and that's because there's growing pressure on sporting codes to protect players. We put out a squish shortcut on this last week, looking at what the science says, the rules around head injuries in sport, and what it means for athletes. A link is in your episode notes. Also in Sport Claire, the French Open wrapped up over the weekend, and there are so many stories that we can choose from. Let's start with the women first. Yeah, the singles title was taken up by Barbora Kechikova. Uh, she won in three sets. It was a close one for her. She was unseeded going into the French Open. She's been a top 100 player for a little bit of time, but she really has brought it home. She also won the doubles, which is the first time someone's done that at the French Open since 2000. She says that she's now done pretty much everything that she wanted in tennis. And as a 25-year-old, she's just 
going to relax and enjoy her tennis from now on in. So that's good news for her. As for the bloke side of the draw, Novak Djokovic uh, saw off Stefanos Tsitsipas in five sets. It was a real thriller there. That takes him halfway to a Grand Slam win. Uh, that's winning all four majors in a row. So he's done very well, Djokovic. He has. It was also his 19th major win, which puts him just one behind Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer, who are tied on 20. That's going to make for a really interesting Wimbledon, Claire. Indeed. I'll be watching that for sure. Yeah, keep an eye out. It starts on the 28th of June. Squiz the day, a bit of a light one to end on. It's the anniversary of the premiere of Disney's The Lion King, one of my favourites as a kid, Claire. Good for you. Musicals aren't my thing. Um, they are most of the rest of the world. So That's a classic, um, though. Come on. It, yeah, I don't know. What have you got? I'm looking out for celebrations of Donald Trump's 75th birthday. They should be underway as we speak. One celebration to another. Before we wrap up, Claire, we've had so many people do our podcast survey, so a big thank you to those who have taken the time. We're just a handful short of our targets. If you want us to stop talking about it, give it a go. <laughs> yep, get onto it. We're very keen to get cracking uh, on working through all of those responses that you've given us about what you like about the podcast, what we can do differently. Uh, so today is the last day we're really keen uh, to get cracking. If you want to do it, now is the time. Yeah, it's super short, about three minutes or so, I reckon. And it's a great way to procrastinate after the long weekend. <laughs> Plus, you'll be in the running for that $200 Dan Murphy's gift voucher we keep mentioning. I'll pop a link to it in your episode notes. Thanks again to everyone who has done the survey already and those who have tuned in to the Squiz Today podcast. We'll catch you tomorrow. message now from our podcast partner, BHP. The steel made from iron ore plays an important role in providing the production of our energy infrastructure, from wind turbines to power poles. So cutting carbon emissions in iron ore production is key. It's why BHP has committed to a solar and battery agreement to help power its port facilities at Port Headland. It's happening now at BHP.